Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, before we get into our passage for the week, we want to announce an upcoming opportunity. Heritage Bible Church will be sponsoring a four-day marriage tune-up seminar beginning April 22nd for four consecutive Wednesday evenings from 6.30 to 7.30 at HBC in Boise. Dr. Tom Westall will be presenting 14 topics aimed to strengthening and protecting your marriage. I've said this before, but the best time to attend a seminar like this is when you don't yet need it. But there's something here for everyone, married or contemplating marriage, whether your marriage is cruising along or hitting some bumps in the road. And you are all invited to come and join us for all or any of those days beginning April 22nd at 630 at no charge. And we know it will be valuable. Well, this week we enter Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 7. In the last decade or so, it seems that the cultural shifts we're experiencing are accelerating. And as they accelerate, they are leaving Bible-believing Christians more and more out of step with the demands of the culture. Well, Jesus wasn't in step with the right people either. Not with the governing authorities, not with the religious elites who ran the synagogues, And we know where that led for him personally. For those who didn't know who he really was, he in the end looked like a criminal deserving of death as he hung on the cross. Well, today's passage is one more straw that broke the camel's back for those who were offended by Jesus' teachings. Every man makes a choice in this area. The question is, if you have to offend someone by what you believe, and how you live your life, who would you rather offend, men or God? Here is today's slice of the message entitled, How the Flesh Does Religion. The goal was to preserve all the teachings of that period of the what we call the Second Temple. That was from the return from the Babylonian captivity, the temple rebuilt under, under Ezra until the destruction of the temple in A.D. 70. In the days of Jesus, it wasn't written down. It was still this huge, floating mass of oral traditions and teachings. But because it was later written down, we have a very accurate understanding of what Jesus was up against. Now, the Mishnah includes two major parts. Number one was the decisions of rabbis and teachers on a plethora of individual cases. It's sort of like they were creating case law for deciding spirituality among everyday people. The second part was their teachings on basic texts from the Pentateuch, the Law of Moses, first five books of the Bible. And there are six major sections of that, each divided into smaller treatises, each of which was divided into chapters and paragraphs. What they brought up to challenge Jesus was from a section on cleansings, a whole bunch of cleansings that 
God just forgot to tell Moses about. But they knew. And so they passed them down. Now that takes you down the iceberg to a few feet below the surface. After the Mishnah was written down, about A.D. 200, it was rather quickly determined that the Mishnah needed clarification. So commentaries, first oral, passed along, then written down. Commentaries on the Mishnah were produced. They were called the Gemara, from a word meaning to complete. So now we have the repetitions of the traditions of the elders, and now we have the completed explanations of the traditions of the elders. The rabbis eventually collected the Mishnah and the Gemara into what is called, and here's a word you probably have heard, the Talmud. Talmud is related to a verb meaning to learn and to teach. The Talmud, which uh, exists in several forms around the world, is a huge collection of many volumes. One estimate I, said, I read is that in standard print, it's over 6,200 pages. So it's several times the size of the Old Testament and New Testament combined. And you've got to keep all this stuff to be spiritual, according to the traditions of the elders. The Talmud includes what is expected for how you should live. There's a huge array of illustrations, including legends and folklore and parables and proverbs and scattered remarks on everything from philosophy to medicine to natural science to astrology to music to essential oils. No, that's not, that's, that's this. Uh, almost anything else. And you find gems of wisdom there commingled with absolute absurdity. One researcher put it this way, Quote, the Talmud is one of the strangest of the Bibles of humanity. It is drawn from, and I love this description, it's drawn from the promiscuous notebooks of students of very diverse attainments and character in which they have scribbled down all the wisdom and all the unwisdom, all the sense and all the nonsense which was talked for centuries in the school of the rabbis. Unquote. I'm going to be using that word unwisdom probably for a long time to come. I love that one. That's what was going on which led to the Pharisees being outraged by seeing Jesus and His disciples not obeying this ceremonial rinsing of their hands before they ate a meal. The whole thing was based on this specific teaching which has been preserved in the Talmud. This should astound you. Are you ready? Where would you get the idea that you need to have a certain ritual cleansing of your hands before you eat? Here's where it comes from. Quote, Shibta. Now, how many of you know Shibta? I never heard of it either except in this sentence. Shibta is an evil spirit which sits upon man's hands at night if any touch his food with unwashed hands, that spirit sits upon that food and there is danger from it. That's what they were outraged about. It has nothing to do with sanitation. 
It has nothing to do with the Bible. It's a combination of superstition and occultism, which was being preached by the teachers of Israel as a requirement of God. How absurd is that? This is a big iceberg. That specific ritual was rinsing your hands and you had to have the right kind of bowl and then you had to hold them up toward, to, toward heaven. You know, on the TV shows, you always see the doctor going to the operating room with his hands up like this and, you know, backing into the room. Now, I'm glad he doesn't, you know, wipe his hair and, and you know, push the door with his hand. You know, if he's going to be on my insides. But they were doing this in a theological world of make-believe where they believed they had to do that to wash away the spiritual cooties that other might, otherwise might get on their food. That's what it was. That was the Judaism that had been so corrupted to that point that Jesus was up against. Now do you understand even better why He came as a baby in a manger to Bethlehem? rather than as an ambassador to Jerusalem where they thought up this stuff and passed it around? The most important thing this reveals is that there really is a lot more iceberg submerged than what shows up just in that question about how they ate. The point is that the traditions of the elders had in practice become more important than the Word of God to the Pharisees and their scribes. Whenever I teach a class on any portion of theology, uh, theology, and a lot of you have heard some of this sometimes, even more important than the details of whatever doctrine it is that we're studying, I make an inviolable rule for all discussions and all projects in that class studying theology. The rule is, you must learn all that is in the Bible on this subject, Understand it, organize it, and then stop there. If you speculate beyond that, you're going right down the same path. The error of the Pharisees and the scribes was that they didn't stop there. They regarded their interpretations and their commentaries on the Bible as having equal authority to this text of Scripture itself. And every time you do that, Scripture loses That's the problem of every single cult, starting with the the largest one in the world, the Roman Catholic Church. I don't hate Catholics, but they believe that their traditions are of equal authority to the Scriptures, and they contradict the Scriptures. Same with the the Orthodox churches of the world, same with the the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. There's a, there, there's a new one called the Jewish Roots Movement that's rapidly going down that same road of, of adding these things that you have to do to the finished work of Christ. The Pharisees had already rejected the evidence that Jesus was Messiah. They'd already rejected that He is God in human flesh. They said He was satanic. Why? Because he didn't wash his hands the way they wanted him to. Because he ignored and flouted and confronted their silly, made-up Sabbath rules. Because he always took them to what the Scripture said, not to their opinions. And 
People who think like that love to be offended. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.